0: Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself finalize and finish up our discussion on the Fourth Commandment.
1: Welcome to Being Lutheran podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bow, and I have with me today Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. All right, uh, we are continuing on, and I believe this is our last episode on the Fourth Commandment. Jason, is that right? Or is we, there... We're going to do our best to okay. wrap it up today. I know, we'll uh,
2: thank you, listener, for bearing with us as this has been much more detailed and we mm-hmm. kind of explained that in the first episode. And, and even last episode talking about Ephesians chapter 6, we didn't even get to the second half of the, right. the session because of the, the information
1: about parenting it's was just so too rich. much good stuff to talk about.
2: It, it, as is every part of the catechism, mm-hmm. but you know, we want to do our best to be moving this along. And so... Uh, The principle from the second half of Ephesians 6, which we failed to touch on, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, is that the role of authority in your life in society, and uh, you highlighted it's between bond bond servants and their masters, Mm -hmm. where really the application is going on for us today as an employer-employee relationship, again, is to serve the Lord in your job. That's the vocation. We've already highlighted it. And and what we're going to do is the principles from parenting, and children and the principles of what we're going to talk today from Romans 13 apply to that middle section about obeying your manager or supervisor or boss at work is that you're doing it with a self-sacrificing love. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself in a management role, you're also doing that with a self-sacrificing love. The call to an employee is to be an honorable employee and to obey. The call uh, to an employer is to be an honorable employer. And we can leave it at that, even though we could have an another podcast just talking about work life. Uh, But we really want to wrap this up, and Romans 13 is too important of a passage
1: on this topic Mm -hmm. for us to ignore. Yeah. All right, so let's read that passage in Romans 13, 1 through 7, and it says this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen.
0: Appropriate for tax time
1: Yeah yeah, right. We're we're just
2: uh, three days away From April Mm -hmm. 15th When we're recording this So you can know How far behind we are The times Mm -hmm. right now Uh, But this really uh, Really is where The rubber hits the road For the Christian In society And Mm -hmm. our relationship With authority Which is why We all felt It was necessary To kind of More or less Skip over the employer Employee relationship Which is also valuable To talk about authority From the civil aspect Because especially In our partisan Mm -hmm. Society right now where no one gets along with anyone who disagrees but, with them.
0: But Jason, if I don't like my congressman and I don't agree with them, that doesn't mean that I have to do this, does it?
2: Yeah, hashtag not my senator, right? Is that what the new <laughs> okay. one is? Not my president. Yeah. This is the this is at hand is God is the lover of order. God mm-hmm. is the ordainer of order, and he's given us government. I don't even put good government in there. Mm-hmm. He has given us government to defend society from sinners. Mm-hmm. Stop a moment. You're a sinner. God has given us government to defend the rest of us from you, just as he's given us government to give the rest of you
1: protection from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real briefly, Jason, I know I know you fleshed this out uh, quite a bit the, a couple of episodes ago, but Again, make the connection between honoring father and mother parents, uh, and then jumping out to uh, authorities on the um, in the estate of of uh, government. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. In the second table of the law, the focus is not on
2: our relationship with God, but on our relationship with our neighbor as we live out our Christian lives here in the temporal world. And so the fourth commandment teaches us that the authorities in our lives, first and foremost, family, Mm -hmm. parental authorities, and then civil authorities in in every area of our lives, uh, God has transferred his authority. He has hidden his authority behind the authority of those he's put in our lives for our benefit. This is a way, again, that God is providing for our daily bread, mm-hmm. is that we have comfort and security for the most part here in America, because God is providing us with comfort and security with our government mm-hmm. and with the uh, uh, authorities that are in place. And so that's kind of why we're spending so much time yeah. talking about this.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess I, I, w- I don't mean to be repetitive, but I just want to keep coming back to this idea. You know, I think of if if you were, if you send your kids to a public school, or if you... Um, you are as a parent kind of asking or having that group be the ones that educate your children or um, through your taxes you're paying police officers to provide safety or you know you can think of different illustrations that way of uh, this idea of it starts with the family and moving out Mm All of
2: society, Mm -hmm. everything in society is based on God's institution of the family. Uh, Everything that happens around us is an expansion of what is supposed to be happening in the family, which is why we start with parents and children Mm -hmm. and why we go then to employer, employee, uh, Mm -hmm. governor, citizen, whatever else you want to look at Mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, the answer for Christians is that this world is not our home. Uh, but we still live in this world, and mm-hmm. so we ought to be able to function with our neighbors
1: in the specific ways God has designed us to do that. Mm-hmm. And the the call for us in this passage in Romans is to be subject to the <clears throat> to the governing authorities. Yeah, to be subject to the governing authorities uh, and to
2: be respecters of those authorities and to honor those authorities and even to be paying taxes to those authorities. Mm -hmm. The key principle here for me is not to necessarily be comparing our society to ancient Roman society when Paul was writing this. The key principle to me from a Christian perspective is to realize that when Paul put pen to paper when he was writing the book of Romans— Uh, when he was writing this great theological treatise Mm -hmm. to the church in Rome, Nero was the ruler of the known world. And we've covered this before, but the way I like to point it out, that if you were to make a list of five or ten Mm -hmm. of the worst human beings to ever live, nero is universally on that list he was not a good guy and he was no lover of christians which makes it so stunning here in romans 13 that paul would say these authorities have been established by god paul is literally saying this godless uh immoral amoral uh pagan ruler has been established by god as the authority of the roman empire that is stunning
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you're right and I. We would easily forget that, and it's good to have that in mind as we look at this passage.
2: Well, we easily forget that because of American history. From a conservative Christian perspective, which is you know, what probably most of our audience is coming from, and I'm mm-hmm. not intending to speak for everyone, you look at the last 35, 40 years of American history, roughly our lifetimes in that, and we'll start history with Reagan everyone, for whatever reason, wants to forget about Carter anyway. Uh, But (laughs) we'll start with Reagan. That was a prosperous time for Christians in America. Reagan was a conservative friend of Christians. He professed the Christian faith. You have the first George Bush, who carried that on for four years. And then you have Bill Clinton, who I believe most conservative Christians aren't a fan of. His eight years uh, in the 90s, although they were economically prosperous, uh, was the beginning of some of these liberal agendas that are anti-Christian. The Baltic to get rolling.
0: Not to mention the moral degradation of what went on within the White within House. Within the White House,
2: yeah, the, a very publicly immoral president. And then really, the for recent memory, we can start things with George W. Bush and how many Christians that I knew, this man who wore his faith on his sleeve. Uh, and whether we agreed with this theology or not is immaterial, was a man who tried to govern by godly principles, I believe. And every church I know, every Christian I know, was praying for George Bush, and then he was replaced by Barack Obama. And every Christian I know almost was completely frustrated and furious with the way Obama handled himself in the White House. Obama, despite professing a Christian faith, was no friend of Christians. Uh, We saw uh, in, in the American context one spiritual religious liberty stripped away after another. You suddenly have bakers and florists being sued for refusing to participate in gay weddings. You have all of these Mm -hmm. things happening. You have Obama blaming Christians for Islamic terrorism. You have things like that going on. This has all happened, and this is not me trying to be politically charged. Uh, And now we're in the era of Trump, and no one knows what to do with Trump. Some Christians are happy with Trump. Some Christians are unhappy Mm -hmm. with Trump. Some Christians are not conservative politically. But the, the fact of the matter is that no matter what president we've been under, mm-hmm. that president, according to God's word, has been established by God. Mm-hmm. And
0: how does that relate then to the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Doesn't this kind of mm-hmm. touch that and kind of kind of connect to that? Well, this is, again, we see Luther
2: as a genius if we're going to jump ahead to the Lord's Prayer. Those first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer are crucial for understanding what's going on. Uh, The alternative to us praying your kingdom come is not that we're afraid your kingdom's not going to come. The explanation of that is we want your kingdom to come among us you know, it's again, it's that self-examination aspect of things. So the the confession of the explanation to each one of those petitions, hallowed be your name. The, the, the first part of that says God's name is holy in and of itself. He doesn't need us to make his name holy. But when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying that God's name would be holy among us. When we say thy kingdom come, we're not saying that God's kingdom isn't going to come without our help. It's that God's kingdom's coming no matter what we do, yeah. but we pray his kingdom would come among us. God's will is going to be done whether we help it or not, because he's God, but we pray that we would be the ones doing God's will. So
0: in light of that, how does that play out in application to what you're talking about with civil liberties and and even political people? Mm
2: -hmm. It means that we have been given in scripture a specific way to live our Christian lives. And uh, because the man or was a very realistic possibility for a couple months. The woman occupying the White House does not give us an excuse to cease being Christians Mm -hmm. uh, and good neighbors to those who disagree with us. That's what we're focusing on in the Christian vocation. Remember, again, Mm -hmm. we we have been provided with everything we need for life and salvation. Our eternities... Are wrapped up in Jesus Christ, which means here on earth, we are self-sacrificing. We are suspending our rights. We are putting others before ourselves for the effort of loving our God, fulfilling what God has called us to do in the second table of the law. And then a byproduct of that is evangelism, according to Matthew five sixteen.
0: So Daniel probably has a lot to tell us in this <laughs> yeah, time that we're living in That's now. right. Yeah. Well,
2: Daniel is huge. Yeah. Joseph mm-hmm. is huge here. Um, uh, another great example of what's going on in this Principle is the servant girl who told Naaman mm-hmm. to go to Israel to be healed. A man who had kidnapped her from her family in war mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, hey, you have leprosy. Yeah. Go be healed by God's prophet." It's yeah. the idea of, of seeking the welfare of the the land you are living in. Seeking the welfare mm-hmm. of the land you're living in, and training ourselves as Christians that people who disagree with us aren't enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if it's Luther that says this or another theologian. You know, and we're Lutherans, so whenever somebody says something wise, it must have been Luther, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but We need to be treating uh, unbelievers, enemies of the cross right now, as potential future brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not them that are the enemies, even though they oppose Christianity. And
0: that's part of loving your neighbor as yourself, ascribing insurmountable worth to every single person, whether we agree with them or not, because Mm -hmm. they are a precious soul that Jesus died for. Yeah. And, And so... To the Democrat
2: out there listening, even though I no longer identify myself as a Republican, I'm a
1: conservative,
2: I may disagree with your policies, I may disagree with your perspectives on things, but
1: I don't hate you. This is turning into like Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, well, no, I'm just not. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but, but
2: but we see here the reality and the practicality of living out the yeah. Christian faith. And yep. this is, you know, we talked about in the in the first uh, section of the podcast, the first few episodes we did, that the accusation that theology is not practical is just a baseless and unfounded, mm-hmm. ac- uh, you know, accusation yep. because it's all practical because we have to live our lives in this real world around us. Mm-hmm. And this isn't as part of vocation. Yeah, absolutely, Yay. your vocation. You need to have like some sort of a sound. Ding, a yeah. sound, yeah, yeah, sound effect. like a sound a effect buzzer, board. Yeah. yeah. Whenever boy, that would just be going on constantly in the background. But yeah, it's the reality. Mm-hmm. God has placed you, uh, if you're listening to this as an American, as an American for a reason, and you ha- are living as an American with certain yeah. benefits and certain struggles under Christ's lordship, mm-hmm. which means you're forgiven. But it means that you also have a set of expectations that come along with it, that you're going to be a taxpaying citizen because that's the law of the land. Now the big question is, what do we do when the law of the land isn't
1: godly? I was gonna say that's you know, I, I preached through this, I don't know if it was maybe a year ago or so, this Romans Romans 13 passage, and I remember having a couple of guys come up to me after church and say, Yeah, I don't know, Pastor. Yeah. Like, I, and I think the the parts in this passage that they had a rough time were with the especially taxes and when it seems like taxes are going up and up and up and up and uh, that what that was a struggle for them and then the other part that in this text that was a struggle was um free let me see if i can find again he is god's servant for your good if you do wrong be afraid uh, for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is a servant of god um I'm sorry, I messed up. Um, If you do what is good, you will receive his approval. That's the part there. And some guys in in my church and others that I've talked to as well, they seem to say when we do good, it seems like politicians want to punish us. And so how does that fit together with this? this call and this text. You're hitting on something that's right in my wheelhouse and something we've been doing a lot of talking about at
2: faith. And so there's two separate issues. You know, we as Christians really more often than we should, uh, which is probably never, confuse our conservative political identities with our Christianity. Uh, And so I'm going to say something harsh. If you want to disagree with me, email us and we'll interact about it. But taxes have no spiritual consequences whatsoever. And so we have been given The uh, environment of American political system, if we don't like the taxes, change it politically. Vote for people who are going to lower your taxes. If you really don't like it, run for office. But that has no bearing on eternity. Now, let's say, well, gay marriage is the law of the land, is it not? But we reject that according to Scripture. God uh, ordained marriage to be one man and one woman even before the fall into sin. Mm -hmm. But it is the law of the land. Here's where we go. If it comes to the point where I, as a pastor, am required to perform a gay marriage under punishment of law, I will disobey that law. And then I will accept the punishment of the land for disobeying that law. Mm-hmm. That is how it works. Uh, this is what Paul did mm-hmm. you know, when he uh, was arrested he appealed to Caesar. Mm-hmm. He was tried and executed according to church tradition. And
0: right back to Daniel. As that law mm-hmm. said they're to pray mm-hmm. to that golden statue, mm-hmm. he wouldn't do it.
2: Civil disobedience means you accept the consequences of the disobedience. And that's a big thing for Christians. And, and that
1: accepting of the consequences is a way of submitting to that it's a
2: It's a way of submitting to the government. Mm-hmm. And it's a way, again, of having these evangelistic emphasis on our actions. And one of the most important things to come out of early church history is that the Christians who were burned at the stake or who were thrown to the lions in the gladiator arenas, there is records of many conversions coming as those Christians stood on their faith in the face of death and and the the Romans in their bloodlust said, wow, that's something that I ought to be paying attention to.
0: We also got to remember that toward the end of the first century all the way up into two-thirds into the the fourth century, Christianity was illegal. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've all come very comfortable in having these rights, and I think there's a sense of narcissistic entitlement, mm-hmm. even within the American church. Yeah, I I, I really get
2: nervous when people uh, identify being American with being a Christian, uh, and we're a Christian nation. It's, mm-hmm. w- even if you want to go down the path that, that America was founded on Christian people uh, Christian principles, for, on the one hand, I'm going to argue that against you because uh, most of the founding fathers, either in their Christian faith or in their deistic faith, founded America on humanistic enlightenment reasoning. Not on Christian principles. Now, in practicality, if a principle is wise, it's probably also a biblical principle, but let's clear that up. Again, you want to fight with me on that? I would love to have a discussion with you about it. But the bigger thing is is a nation can't be saved, a soul can be saved. Mm -hmm. God redeems individuals, He does not redeem nations. And so while we should be concerned about the moral climate, Of our country. We should be concerned about virtue. We should be concerned about wisdom. America isn't, nor will they ever be, nor have we ever been a Christian nation.
0: I also think we get hung up on the bigger things that we necessarily don't have any massive control over, and we forget about the environment that we're living in, mm-hmm. the people that God does bring oh. across our path, and it was like, what about that person? Why aren't we focusing on the people that God is bringing to us and being salt and light to them?
2: And, and this is where, you know, you're right, this has turned into a, a, an overly political conversation, but we're in, you know we're inspecting spiritual truths here. Yeah. Uh, in our political climate, the impact of social media has been really detrimental. You know, one of my favorite <laughs> sort of proverbs to come out of the modern time is imagine telling someone 200 years ago that we had the instantaneous knowledge of the entire world at our fingertips and then tell them that we use that ability to look up pictures of cats and argue with strangers,
0: (laughs) you know, and and how much of that information is non-verifiable or not verified and and, and Mm -hmm. getting into all of that, Mm -hmm.
2: the call of the law here to serve as citizens in our vocation is to be loving real people. And to get back to first of all our our families, mm-hmm. and then our immediate communities, including our occupations and our neighborhoods, and then our country, and then our world, and so mm-hmm. that's where we're going with
1: that. That's the application here. Yeah, good. And so, it, similar to the family, yeah, where if if it's outside of the Lord, um, there's uh, certainly freedom to, um, to submit to the Lord rather than to men. And so uh, thanks for the thoughts here today, guys. Any random closing thoughts here? Uh, I just want to say
2: thank you in advance for the angry emails we're going to receive <laughs> for this. I appreciate that you care enough to talk with us about it. Yes.
0: And I would, just, I would just, anyone who would disagree with Jason, which I do not, I fully agree mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. um, ask yourself, how has patriotism infiltrated Christian American theology?
2: Amen.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for listening today, and, and uh, thanks, guys, for what you shared here. And as we live in this imperfect world where governments are, are broken and imperfect, um, even though God has placed those in authority, we do long for the day when um, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of, of our Lord and of his Christ. Amen. And, uh, and Jesus will be... Uh, we'll be king and we'll we'll be with him forever. So thank you for listening today.
0: Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself continue our discussion on the Ten Commandments.